Okay, welcome to the Two Amigos show. My name is Carter, of course, and we have Jorge, my co-host. Welcome to the show, Jorge. Hey, Carter, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Okay, so we are one week out of free agency, uh, or when it starts to really heat up. And of course, we wanted to bring on someone with a little intellect, someone a little smarter than Jorge. So we went and got Alan Pupar, who is, of course, the publisher of All Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. Welcome to the show, Alan. I, thank you for the introduction. I'm not sure what I have to do with somebody intellectual, but sure, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> we, I think you're going to be smarter than us. We kind of just go off the cuff and we have, and we have, we have very strong opinions on the Dolphins. So before I start, though, um, I have to I have a little uh, snuff with you, Alan, because you said recently on Twitter that uh-huh. uh, that Hunter Henry is a better tight end than uh, George Kittle. And I have to bring it to your attention. I did not say that. What I said was and, and this is a beef I have with fans is if you. I, I am all, all criticism is welcome and accepted. All shots, welcome and accepted. Do not misquote me, please. So what happened was I said that, that there were only two tight ends who were clearly better than, than Hunter and Henry, and it was where Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. You pointed out very correctly, I might add, what about George Kittle? And I immediately <laughs> said, I forgot about George Kittle because he was hurt all the last week and then as as we're talking the Dolphins just sent out an email announcing officially that they have released Cal Van Noy. So, so uh, the dream breaking, so that's breaking uh, breaking news breaking news there on on the, on the podcast. So, okay. so the dream of of go. trading him for a sixth rounder a fifth rounder obviously not going to come to to fruition. It is uh, yeah, not going to happen. I'm checking real quick here at the no, nor, nor, nor should have, should anybody have expected that. So absolutely, uh, yeah, that's all it is. It's, they released some Cal Um So absolutely, George Kittle is better. Clear, and, and mind you, I use the term clearly better because I had some another fan jump in with, well, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember who, he came up with another tight end who may or may not be better than Hunter Henry, but is not clearly better than Hunter Henry because I'm going to stick with Kelsey Waller and... George Kittle is the three who are clearly better than Hunter Henry. And let well, me ask you this, since we're on the tight ends, uh, Pitts, obviously coming out of University of Florida, where would you rank him as a prospect compared to those guys? He might be better than any of them. I mean, you, you talk to – and it's not just me saying that. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network did a two-hour Zoom session yesterday with the media and – he could not stop raving about the guy and that's above and beyond what he does on the field. Also the character talking to everybody at the university of Florida, he's a great kid, great intangibles and you see him and trust me, I get the notion. You're not supposed to take a tight end very high in the draft. And as I pointed out, he makes a pro bowl year after year after year. Is anybody going to care that the dolphins use the third overall pick on him? I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they should. I'm saying if they do, there should not be one single Dolphin fan going, oh, my God, what did they just do? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that some, guy's a comp- something we've learned this year is that no matter what the Dolphins do, around 50% of Dolphins Twitter is going to criticize him for that move. And 50% of Dolphins Twitter is going to absolutely love it. Carter knows I go on rants every week about how toxic that atmosphere is. He definitely yeah. does. And 
later in the show, we're going to go over like what you would do with that third overall pick. But before we get to that point in the show, I think we should go Dolphins headlines and then move through on that way. So the, the only headline I have this week is that we traded like nothing, just scraps for Isaiah Wilson. And I, I don't know. What are the upsides there, Alan? Well, the upside is, as you mentioned, you, you, gave, a, you gave away nothing for a guy that at least one team thought was good enough to be a first-round pick. Uh, not everybody in the scouting community was sold on the guy as a first-round pick. They, they, there was some thought that maybe he should have been the second or third-round pick. But still, you're getting in for nothing, basically. You're swapping a seven in 2021. You're getting back a seven in 2022. And again, it's a seven, so no worries there. Uh, you're also taking on uh, a little under $4 million in guaranteed base salary that you have to give him. That's not a whole lot. And if in a, in a best-case scenario, if, if, if it pans out, because obviously his issues last year were maturity, off-the-field type stuff, if he pans out, you could have yourself a serviceable, maybe even potential starter offensive lineman at right tackle. The, the guy is huge. So there's something there. I mean, it's, as I said, it's, it's very, very, very low risk, practically no risk. The only risk is really the base salary that you, that you have to give them for potentially a nice reward. Having said that, I want to caution. I have everybody is like, Ooh, where's our going to be our starter at right tackle. Slow, slow down a little bit. I mean, he's like, dude's never played a game in the, I'm sorry, please. He's played four snaps in the NFL. The chances that it's going to pan out, Probably not even that great, but it's again, it's such a low risk gamble that nothing wrong with taking that shot. Yeah, I'm with you, Alan. Uh, what I said, on, I completely agree with you. It's a very low risk, very potentially high reward. But honestly, at this point, knowing Coach Flores, knowing the, the character issues that came up in Tennessee, the discipline issues, um, I, I have a hard time seeing him even making the opening day roster unless he does a 180 degree turn and, and really straightens out from here on out. Well, and here's the thing, too. You look at the recent history of the Dolphins having tried that, like reclamation projects. Mark Walton came in with some baggage off the field. Guess what happened? That's exactly what happened here. They released him. Robert Kemdiche, who was a first-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals, they brought him in after he had done very little uh, with the Cardinals, and there were some questions, issues with maturity and lack of desire and all that. Guess what? He was gone after playing two games didn't pan out. Taco Charlton, they give it, they gave him a shot and was gone after one year. Yeah, he had five sacks, led the team in 2019. But if you saw the Dolphins play all of that year, they were kind of a couple of them were garbage sacks where he basically cleaned up after the, the quarterback scrambled after seven seconds in the pocket. So the history is not not there. But hey, again, it takes one to make it work and you're not you're not giving up much to, to take the chance. Yeah. Here's my, here's my question on it though, uh, is that when I found out that it was a first rounder last year, I don't know too much about Isaiah Wilson and I don't really know, uh, why this trade was even done. I know he didn't play a lot last year, but what are the details on that? Like, what is the actual risk factor when it comes to this guy and why, uh, you know, why is the move, why make the move then? Let me let me look look up my list. He had like a, a litany of of off the field issues. He wound up on COVID. He was suspended for a violation of team rules. Uh, he showed up at a New Year's Eve party without wearing a mask. 
he was at a hotel, at a hotel another party, not wearing a mask again. Um, yeah, if you look up his, it was like one thing after another. Then he put on Twitter after the season, I'm done with the Titans, that's it. Uh, was in, in communicado with the team for a couple of months. Uh, head coach Mike Vrabel was like, I don't know what's going on. The GM basically, basically alluded to the fact that he's going to have to decide on his own whether he wants to do what it takes to be a professional. And that's basically the gist of it. It was, there was nothing outrageously horrible where you're like, why are they even touching this guy? But there was a lot of, a lot of maturity issues, not doing a thing that's needed to be done to be a professional. Absolutely. That's why Tennessee basically, that's why basically says like, we're done. We're done with the guy, especially when he tweets out, I'm done with the Titans. I'm not playing there anymore. And the, the Titans were probably were like, dude, you're not nearly good enough to be, to be putting out that kind of talk. Because if he was that good, I'm going to bet that the Titans would have a little bit more patience with him. So, Alan, and, and here's my thing, and here's why I don't think he's going to make it to the opening day roster. If he was coming from a team that was coached by Adam Gase, for example, a guy that you know you know who's going to butt heads with, with players and stuff like that. But no, he's coming from a Mike Vrabel coach team who is very similar to Coach Flores. So if Mike Vrabel couldn't straighten him out, at this point, I'm not sure there's any coach in the NFL, flow included, that is going to be able to do that for him. Correct. The, uh, the, the two things, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if the Dolphins are thinking that maybe it'll make a difference, but the two con- he's got two connections with the Dolphins. Number one, he played at Georgia with Solomon Kindley. Yep. And then he also attended the same high school as Brian Flores. Mm. Prep in Brooklyn, New York. So maybe... And supposedly Flores has known the kid for a while, so maybe there, there's some kind of rapport there where Flores can get through to him. But as Jorge mentioned, Flores and Mike Vrabel are kind of similar in terms of guy. They, they don't take no bull from, from anybody. And I don't think Flores is going to have a whole lot of patience with Isaiah. He doesn't show early on that he's serious about his profession. But again, at the risk of repeating myself, it doesn't pan out, no, big, no biggie. Okay, well, I guess we'll see on that one when we'll move on uh, in the show to a segment I like to call. It's kind of a fun one. We shall see. Uh, it's called Make a Case For. Okay, and I think there's three outcomes that we have on the table when it comes to at the quarterback position uh, leading into this next year. The first one, of course, is Tua, build around Tua. The second one is draft a quarterback at three. And the third one is uh, somehow, and I don't think it's possible, trade for Deshaun Watson. So the first, I want to make, I want everyone on this panel to make a case for all three of these. Alan, I'll have you start. Make a case for building around Tua. Uh, we drafted him fifth overall last year for a reason. Uh, he didn't have the best of circumstances as a rookie in 2020 given the COVID circumstances, given the fact that the Dolphins' weaponry around him wasn't necessarily that great. And you you believe that he's going to turn into the kind of prospect you thought he was when you selected him fifth overall. That would be the case for him. Shall I go on to the next case? Or are we going to – Yeah. You guys gonna... Do it. Okay, I want you to do all case. three in a row. Okay. The case for taking a quarterback at three is you evaluate – all of the quarterbacks, which they need to do regardless, and they decide that that when they get to three, there's a quarterback they have on the board who's clearly a better prospect than Tua, in which case 
uh, sticking with Tua because you drafted him in, in, in the first round the year before is stubbornness and detrimental to the team. Personally, from what I've seen, from what I know, the two guys you would even you would even think about maybe doing that for would be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy. I'm not a huge Trey Lance guy, even though they do have merit as prospects. I don't believe you, there's there would be any value in making that move. If for some reason I'm expecting Zach Wilson to go two after Trevor Lawrence. If Zach Wilson is sitting there at three, I think the Dolphins would be wise to think long and hard about it. And again, that's going to be their evaluation. They saw two at practice throughout the entire year. We saw him, the media, for 10 training camp practices uh, in the summer. So they know a lot more. They haven't told us anything, nor would we expect them to. If we ask him when we were speaking to Brian Flores tomorrow, when we ask him, I guess he's going to say he made steady progress. He's coming along very well, but he has things to improve on. Well, that's kind of what they said about Josh Rosen last year, and they wound up releasing him this year. So what they're going to tell us publicly, again, is what you would expect a coach to say about his player. It's really rare that you're going to get a coach if for some reason they're not happy with the progress of Tua. And, and I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying if that were the case, certainly wouldn't expect Brian Flores to say, yeah, Tua's got a ways to go. We may have to cancel options. There's not a chance he's going to say that. So that would be the case for QBid number three. That, to me, is the least likely scenario. Then the Deshaun Watson, making the case for Deshaun Watson, there is no case to be made. To me, it's an absolute no-brainer. If the, if the Houston Texas, Texans let it be known that they're going to trade Deshaun Watson, the Dolphins need to be on the phone immediately and say, what's it going to take? Is Why? there because an too, too expensive? Is there an, a too expensive for Watson, though? Wow, it had to be pretty high because again, you're hoping Tua is going to become that guy, and I know there are a lot of there. There's a portion of Dolphin fans who are completely convinced. There's absolutely no doubt. Slam dunk, he's going to be a star. I am not in that field. I, I think there's still a a complete question mark as to what kind of quarterback he's going to become, and he may get there. He may not. Deshaun Watson is 25 years old, and he is a bona fide franchise quarterback who should be solve your your solve your biggest problem or the biggest, most important position for 10, 12 years. So is there a price that's too high? Yeah, but would have to be a pretty high price. If, I, if they're talking three first round picks to a, and let me throw out a name here, Xavier Howard. I, I, I don't know how you say no. Hmm. Well, Jorge, I want to throw it to you. And I, instead of going through all three scenarios, I just want you to pick your favorite and your least favorite. I will say this. If Tua stays, we don't have to pick a new name for the program. And it was a pain in the ass to find a first name. So <laughs> we wouldn't have to change from Tua Amigos. Um, that being said, I, I agree with Alan. I think uh, there's a, a, a large portion of Dolphins fans, especially Dolphins fans on Twitter and Facebook, who seem to be more invested on Tua succeeding than the team succeeding. And that's, uh, well, that, that contributes to a very toxic environment. That being said, I agree with Alan. You're hoping Tua is going to become a top five quarterback. Deshaun Watson is already a top five quarterback. With the offensive line that we have right now, the weapons that we have right now, Devante Parker, Mike Gesicki, Lean Bowden, Miles Gaskin, Albert Wilson coming back, I think Deshaun Watson can definitely win with that, with that roster. Yeah, there's going to be holes. Yeah, there's going to be issues. But he is just the kind of quarterback that if you're down six with two minutes to go, you have no question in your mind that he's actually going to bring you back. With Tua, we're not near there yet. So... 
honestly, I, I agree. If if the Dolphins get to give away one of the draft picks this year, two draft picks over the next couple of years, or two saving Howard and Tua, go get yourself a top five quarterback because that's what you need to succeed in this league. And Can I you- interject real quick? Yeah. No, because I was going to say, because I hear the argument very often, well, if you get Deshaun Watson, the price you're going to have to pay is going to have nobody around him. Understand this. You get Deshaun Watson, he makes everybody on that offense immediately better. Absolutely. And that's something that I think people forget. I'm sorry. And I will also say this. Let's also remember that the other team that probably has the capital to move to Deshaun Watson this year is in the AFC East. So if you want to rather face Deshaun Watson twice a year for the next 12 years and also face Josh Allen, who's coming on from a very good you know, year, which he's probably going to grow from and just hope the two is going to be to their level in the next couple of years, be my guest. I think the best thing is to get Deshaun to Miami and force the Jets and force the Bills to face him twice a year. And I'm going to play devil's advocate with this question, of course, because I, I don't want Deshaun Watson because I do like the idea of having a ton of draft room, if you want to call it that. I also, I'm a big fan of keeping Tua as probably my number, you know, my number two selection here. And then at number three um, and my number one situation, I want them to draft a quarterback at three. And if it's Zach Wilson, that's perfect. And I'll tell you why. Um, you draft and until you find the guy. And also, we have a second first round pick. We have two second round picks, I believe. I think that you have the room to just do it normally and put a bunch of good quarterbacks in the same room together. And then if it's Zach Wilson, who has, uh, I suppose, Mahomes-like arm talent, then perhaps it could be something that, you know, this NFL is shifting to just – Huge arms, Josh Allen, Mahomes, you got to keep up. I like Zach Wilson. Tua doesn't have that arm, and we see where it falls. So where you you bring in Zach Wilson to compete with Tua or as the backup? And I'd then, bring him in. Here, I'd bring him in. Here, here's my problem with that, though. The, the, my problem with that is then you're going to have a first-round pick sitting on the bench, Yeah, which, which to me is kind of less than ideal. And here's my, my other thing, and, and Alan's probably going to know much a lot more about this than me, but I understand Tua is a strong kid. I understand he competed with Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Uh, let's also not kid ourselves. I mean, getting benched twice last year for Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's going to shake anybody. At, at some point, I'm not saying his confidence is shaken or he's destroyed or anything, but at this point, he has to be aware that last year, at least, the Dolphins staff was not 100% with him. They didn't 100% trust him. And it was obvious with the play calling. It was obvious with, with, with the way things developed. When you needed a big play, you brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you bring another kid from a first rounder, a top three pick, who's actually two picks ahead of Tua, I'm not sure anyone could actually stand that attack under confidence. It's almost, to me, it's a signal that you basically, well, first of all, you're kind of suggesting that Tua ain't it if you yeah. take a quarterback at three and then the notion that he's going to beat out the guy because you, after you bring him in now, if you can turn around, if you bring it to me, it's almost, you bring in a guy to compete with two or the loser of that battle, you have to shop him and hope you get something of value for him, like a first round pick. I, yeah. I wouldn't see an I, issue I, I, being that you, your quarterback room has too much talent. 
you know, I feel like we've just for years not had any talent in our quarterback room. So I would love it. And I would love to, I think competition is super important. And I think Tua is, I think he's always up to the challenge. I, I think he sat on the bench for a lot of, of time at Alabama. When he came in, he performed. And I think if, if those two were in the same room, they could push each other. And then if you wanted to, you could shop the one that loses the, 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 the quarterback battle. I, I'd be okay with that, but uh, to me, to have a backup, to have a first-round pick as as your backup quarterback is is a poor allocation of resources. That's just me. Here's my thing. I I do definitely think that the backup quarterback is a position of need, Alan, and, and I'd love to ask you about it. My number one guy uh, is Alex Smith. If you're able to bring Alex Smith, who has similar physical traits to Tua, very intellectual, very accurate, not a huge arm, mobile enough, but not a runner per se. I think that's a great quarterback to get behind to a, a veteran that understands the way the NFL that has overcome adversity and so on. But I think you're also going to, need to draft someone to be his backup for the next three to five years. Um, is, is there a number, uh, sorry, a name in particular that you, that you have your eye on in the draft that you'd love to see in, in, in the aqua as a backup? Well, I'm, I'm not thinking that's the route they're going to take. Assuming, assuming two was, who was their starting quarterback in 2021? I think they're going to sign a veteran in free agency, whether it be somebody like Alec. I like Alex Smith also. The only problem is Alex Smith, from what I understand, wants to keep yeah. starting. And if you if two was your guy, then Alex Smith's not starting. Uh, by the same token, Jacoby Brissett's another guy who makes sense. He wants to keep starting, except the Colts, who, who had a really, really good team heading into last season, felt he wasn't good enough to take him to the playoffs and beyond. So they signed Phillip Rivers. So I'm not sure how realistic Jacoby is going to have to be in terms of being able to land a starting job. He's somebody uh, I wouldn't mind as a backup. Tyrod Taylor's another guy I wouldn't mind as a backup. I think those are good types of guys. I'd love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's not going to happen because Fitz also wants to start and also because he replaced Tua twice last season. The Dolphins aren't going to want to have Tua looking over his shoulder at Fitzpatrick ready to come in anytime he struggles. So that's not going to happen. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I've heard Brian Hoyer's name. I am not a Brian Hoyer guy, so please, no, no, no. So to me, it would be Tyrod Taylor, uh, Jacoby Brissett, maybe Alex Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith is my, my number one guy, definitely. Jacoby Brissett, absolutely. Same with you on Brian Hoyer, definitely. No, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I agree with you. There's no way they're going to bring that drama back. And I love Fitz, I think everyone loves Fitz, but the Dolphins are not going to do that to, to tour or the organization itself, so. And Fitzpatrick okay. wouldn't, wouldn't deal with that either. Okay, well, let's move forward right into free agent talk because that's, I, I think, the main event of this show today. And let's talk. Uh, let's do a let's, – let's do only a wide receiver talk for now, and then we can add in other free agents if we'd like to. But I think that's kind of the, the hot-button topic. I'm going to give you a list, and you tell me, if you're going to pay them cash, or you're going to pass on them. So the first one I got for you is before, before we, before we start yep. cheap plug here, I actually did a story on the wide receivers in free agency on all dolphins this afternoon. Proceed. I definitely saw that. And it was definitely part of the reason I created this, this concept. So here we go. The first one we got is Juju Smith Schuster cash or pass Allen, then Jorge go for it. Pass. He's going to cost too much money, and I can't get over the 8.3 yards per reception last year. I understand 
that was part of the design of the Steelers offense which was to get rid of the ball very, very quickly. I'm not necessarily a big Juju guy, and I think he's going to want more money than I want to allocate for that player. I don't think the, the cash, cash payout return works for me there. I'm going to pass as well. Uh, I, I agree with Alan, but mostly because I think Juju thrives in the slot, and I do think Lynn Bowden is going to, going to develop into a very good slot receiver. So I'd rather develop Lynn than bring a free agent for that, for that slot position. Okay, so that's a triple pass for uh, for me as well. So I, we're not even going to talk about it too much longer. Let's go to the next one, cash or pass. And this player uh, has been kind of filling Twitter's, uh, you know, Dolphins Twitter's, you know, top of the free agent list for a long, long time now. And I don't really know too much about this guy. And he's kind of been the second fiddle in Carolina for a long time as well. Curtis Samuel, cash or pass. Uh, interesting player, a little bit of a gadget player, uh, values, right. But again, if you're going to have a, a gadget player, uh, I, I'm, I think Lynn Bowden's got some major potential there. Um, I, I, I don't think he necessarily makes your team that much better and brings something that that's too unique. I'd say pass. Same. Okay, and that's three in a row as well. The third guy I know that Alan likes, and this one is just recently opened up, John Brown. John Brown, absolutely. Uh, if he's reasonable with his demands, if, if well, the, he's already out of Buffalo, which is good for the Dolphins because that dude has absolutely killed the Dolphins. I think he's got like four touchdowns in four games against the Dolphins in the past two years, killed him again in the season finale. Um, Missed a lot of games last year, so you, you have to you have to make sure that he checks out physically. He shouldn't. He was supposed to make seven million in base salary in 2021 before the Bills let him go. He is from Miami, played at Homestead High School down here. I think he could be had at a much more reasonable price than a, than a Juju, for example. He gives you that that deep threat they don't have. I like sign me up. Same. I love John Brown. I think. Having him play the Bills twice a year and having him and having them face him when the Dolphins couldn't stop him is going to be fun. Um, I like. I think he actually reduces the need at, at, of that speed guy in the draft and gives you so much more flexibility on draft day. So yeah, I like John Brown. I like I like uh, John Brown as well, and I want a speed guy in the draft and John Brown, and then I want them in the same room, and then I want them to develop together. So that that would be great. Uh, so I would. I say John Brown for me as well. Okay, so we have about three more. Next one is Kenny Galladay, which is someone that I'm going to straight up say I'm passing on because, right, Alan's saying he's going to cost money. And also, I think he has very similar skill sets to every player that we have on this team already. What do you think, Alan? Well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like Devontae Parker all over and the thing is I mean because his forte is making contested catches uh, he's been highly productive but he played five games last year only because of hip injuries um, kind of a kind of duplication a little bit there if you bring him in with two other guys with injury issues with Preston Williams and Devontae Parker and then again if you guys, I, I just don't see paying top top money for for receiver and free agency 
especially with Devontae Parker scheduled to make $12 million. And if you're going to bring a guy with a similar skill set, what does that mean? You're going to cut Devontae Parker uh, as a post-June 1 cut where you're going to save $12 million off the, the salary cap and get like $4 million of, of dead space. I, I don't know. I, I, it's not a great fit. And I, and I know I've seen like the Twitter reports that often very interested in, in him. I, I'm not sure I see the fit there. I agree. If I wanted a receiver to go up and get contested catches and then miss half the season, I've already have Preston and Devontae on the roster. So um, I think the Dolphins would rather shop Devontae Parker and have a trade partner for him than signing a, a clone of him. If Fitz okay. was a starter, if Ram Fitz was a starter for, yeah, absolutely. Get Kenny, get Devontae, get Preston Williams and just throw the ball up there in the Fitz style all over again. But that's not who we have a quarterback. You got that right. Last team, uh, last player, same team, Marvin Jones. Alan. Yeah, and comes on to money. He's more of a possession receiver. Good slot guy. He's solid, but I wouldn't overpay for him. It's one of those. And it's like everybody. I mean, I'd like everybody on the team, but at some point it becomes where do you allocate the money? It wouldn't be a very high priority item for me, but he's a good solid receiver. Same, same. Uh, I think he's not that he's not gonna make the team much better. Just like like Alan said with Curtis Samuel. I think if you're gonna if you want him, I, I'd rather go and, and develop a, a rookie from the third or fourth rounder, uh, and then bring and then let let them develop in the Dolphins instead of overpaying for this guy. Okay, so we're coming to the end of Two Amigas today, and I thought we'll do a game called "What do you do with three? And of course, that refers to the first overall first round pick that the dolphins have in this upcoming draft. What do you do with three Allen? Do you trade back? Do you draft a wide receiver? What are you doing? I pick up the phone and keep my line open and wait for the phone calls and the offers to come. Uh, that's, and I, of course this is operating under the assumption that there's no Deshaun Watson trade and the dolphins still have three on draft night. If it comes to three on draft night. I wait for an offer. I'm thinking one is going to come whether it's Carolina at eight, San Francisco at 12, Denver at nine. Could see Detroit at seven, even maybe, which allows you to move back to that spot, pick up some really nice draft capital, hopefully a 2022 first round pick. And then later on in that first round, you can get one of the aforementioned stud wide receivers. Not aforementioned, we haven't even mentioned them. Jamar, Jamar Chase is not going to be there, let's say seven, eight or nine. Then you pick up either Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or Cut or Cal Pitts if God forbid he's there eight, eight or nine, which I don't see happening. Or do you go a top defensive player like a Micah Parsons from Penn State, maybe? Uh, but that's that's my though the last thing personally, the last thing I want to see is a wide receiver at three. I'd be okay. I'd be okay with a quarterback at three if they decide to is not the guy. I'd be okay with Kyle Pitts at three because he's so unique. I'd be okay with Penny Sewell at three because, again, Isaiah Wilson's a wild card who may or may not pan out, and the offensive line still needs to be some rebuilding. And, but I wouldn't be okay with – I wouldn't be okay. It's not my choice, but I would prefer they not use the, the number three pick on – Jamar Chase, who I think is by far the best wide receiver in the draft, or Waddle or Devontae Smith. For me, I, I agree. I think looking at the quarterbacks that are going to be available in the draft next year, you understand why so many teams are desperate to get their quarterbacks this year. And that's why we're going to see Mac Jones slipping into the first round, Kyle Trask into the second. Um, 
and I would add another partner. I know they said they want to build around Jalen Hurts, but I cannot see Philadelphia if they have the chance to go and get Zach Wilson at three, bypassing that as well. So I would add them to a possible trade partner. Um, and I will add a name that I really liked in the last couple of days, Rashawn Slater. I would love to see him be a right tackle for the next couple of years. Um, I'm, I would be okay not drafting a quarterback, in the, uh, sorry, a wide receiver in the first round. I think there's a lot of talent in that position in the second and third round as well. So give me Rashawn Slater, give me Saban Collins, and call it a day for round one. Yeah, and, and assuming we don't do what I want to do and pick Zach Wilson at three, which I think we're not going to do. I think you, you have to trade back. You just have to trade back. And uh, because at three, all of the players that are need our needs right now would just, they're not, you don't pick them at three. So I think we got to trade down and I think we have to get a playmaker. Hopefully it would be Pitts. I promise you it won't be Pitts. It'll be someone like Waddle at eight. That's what I think it'll be. And I'll be totally fine with that, especially if you bring in someone like John Brown. Like I said earlier, to couple John Brown and Waddle in the same room, I would love that. Okay, well, I think we should do one more thing on the way out of Two Amigos. Thanks for joining us, of course, Alan. Uh, but I'm going to just give you one over-under, and you tell me, like, I, like the game says, over-under. So 10 wins in 2021 for the Dolphins, over-under. Thank God you're setting me up to get hated here. <laughs> Holy moly, are you setting me up? Wow. Let me take yeah. that call first from Alan, and I'll say. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jorge. It's going to be an under, guys. It's going to be an under, and it's not because the team is going to regress. It's because they have a very tough schedule coming up. Teams are going to have – this is a year where you're going to see super, super teams around the league with the one-year contract and so on. I don't see the Dolphins going that way. So I, I'm going to say under, uh, but just birdie, probably eight or nine wins. Yeah, I, I, you see, you, obviously you got from my reaction that I'm going under also. Here, here's, the thing that, here's the thing that worries me the most if I'm a Dolphin fan. Their defense last year, uh, while really, really good at forcing turnovers, really good on third downs, really good in, in scoring defense, was 20th in points allowed. It, I don't think it, to call it a dominant defense, it wasn't a dominant defense. I worry about the ability to duplicate the kind of success they had in terms of coming up with the turnovers. Xavier Howard, for example, if he's even still on the roster because of his looming contract situation, um, they're going to get 10 in interceptions again. Uh, that's kind of a fluky thing. They wind up, what, scoring two defensive touchdowns? That doesn't happen every year. Uh, they already lost Kyle Van Noy. I, I, I worry about the defense taking a step back and I'm not sure the offense at this point is good enough to compensate for that. So that's why I, I don't expect them to take a dramatic step back. But I think a lot of things went right for the Dolphins last year to get to 10 and 6 and might be hard to duplicate. Alan, we have just uh, over two minutes. So let me throw two names at you that I think would actually fix the defense and let, let it take that extra step to become dominant. Jevon Holland to be the new nickelback and Saban Collins to be the new linebacker. Um, honestly, I think Nick Needham is a, a big liability in that defensive uh, secondary. We saw it in the Week 17 game when he was targeted by the Bills over and over again. Uh, so I think if you if you are able to uh, upgrade that position, bring in a, a dominant linebacker like Seven Collins, I think that defense, although probably won't replicate that success with turnovers, would be a more duff, uh, duff, dominant and stout defense against the run. Oh, I'm totally with you on Zayvon Collins. I love him as a prospect and would love him at 18. 
because uh, he, he's kind of the guy who can do a lot of things and he's kind of freakish. I, I saw a comparison this week to Brian Erlocker. Kind of gives you an idea. I mean, he's huge and he can fly. So love him. And I'm not sure how much of an, of an impact Javon Holland. I would say this also. I'm going to stick up for Nick Needham here. Yeah, he had a really, really bad game against Buffalo in the season finale. But throughout the year, the guy had a really good season, actually. He wasn't great early on, but then let's say from week four, from the fourth game on until the season finale, I thought he was really good. Um, and that last game, nobody was good. And guess what? That included Davian Howard. I know he had his 10th pick in that game, but he was bad in that game. Agreed. Uh, so it wasn't just Nick Needham. And I, I, don't see, I don't see the nickel corner. I'm, I'm okay with him going in. To me, I think I worry more about the overall linebacker, the front seven, actually, the overall linebacking core. I worry a little bit about Emmanuel Ogba, who had, what was it, eight sacks in the first nine games and one sack in the final seven games. Was it hey, a Alan. opponent? Yeah. I, I hate to cut in, but we actually have to call the show right now. Uh, but thank you, you so it. much. Thank you so off. much it's for coming off. on it's the show. Team. I just want to point that out. You'll have, you'll have to have me back on so I finish my answer. No, we're yeah, I'm so sorry. For sure. We're sorry. Uh, I just Zoom is going to cut us off at 40 minutes, and we didn't want you to get cut off by that. That's quite all right. Thank you so much, Alan. This has been Two Amigos.